Yes, daylight savings time. You made it to church. Give yourself a big hand. Hey, today's, in the pastor's world, today's a bonus day. You showed up. I mean, the whole hour thing, why? It's just the big why. The big why, right? You know, what am I going to do about it? You know, how am I going to fix it? I can't fix this one. And I don't know what to do about it. So it's still a why. <laughs> Doing well? You know, when I went to the movies. I don't go to the movies very often, but last time I went to the movies, I couldn't find a seat right in the middle. <laughs> Just saying, next time, help them fill it out. It fills the... I like to preach right down the middle, you know? It's like, it's like bowling. It's right down the middle. <laughs> ah, I just love you so much. It's great to be here today. Hey, Keith, could you hand that mic? Um, just, I want to give a disclaimer real quick right up front. I'm going to speak today. It's, it's probably the most dreaded topic sometimes for people. Um, for those of you that aren't, aren't there yet in your relationship with the Lord and your walk with Christ. We talked about generosity today. Generosity plus. Generosity plus. Um, this guy comes to our church a couple years ago, and he wasn't sure about me. I know, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty friendly guy. I try to get to know you. We've got three services, Wednesday night, all kinds of crazy stuff here. This place is just going. It's a busy place. Got the school, the academy, lots of stuff happening. Well, a couple of years ago, this guy came to the church, and um, I could tell he wasn't quite sure. He was asking some questions, got into a small group with them, and it was interesting. And I've watched how this man over the last uh, couple of years, how he's really not only, you know, did he have questions, but now City Church. I now say he is City Church. He is the brand. He loves God. He loves his church. He loves his city. We're going to have a little conversation today. So I want you to welcome this morning Bruce Scott to the City Church platform. Let's welcome Bruce. I love you too, Bruce. Bruce was just ordained to be a deacon here at City Church at our, in our January ordination deaconing service. And I'm a, I don't do this often. It's a really risky thing, but I'm going to let go of the mic. Bruce is going to actually get to hold the mic. Usually I hold it, but... Bruce, I want you to talk to us about, you know, there was a period you came to City Church, but you didn't give. Is that right? That's correct. Pastor. Okay, so tell me what was happening in your world. Why, why, wouldn't, why didn't you give? Why weren't you a tither yet at the church? Um, as I look back, I, I wasn't tithing because I was being blessed by someone who was tithing. Okay, and so I really, so I really didn't know that concept. You didn't understand. Somebody else was tithing, and it made it possible for you to be part of the fellowship, right? Be, be part of what was happening. That's here. correct. That's uh, you know, you came into City Church here, and uh, uh, God began to work in your heart. Isn't that right? That's Talk to me about the very first time you tithed. Talk to me what happened. What was happening in your life, and why you did that? Well, actually, my wife was tithing, and I was being blessed because of what she was doing. Okay. Um, and uh, as you know, I was coming here to the church and serving, uh-huh. and so, so you were giving your time. I was giving okay. my time. That's correct, Pastor. And um, I saw how her tithing and me tithing my time was helping others. Okay. So that's my appreciation of tithing. Yeah. Love. And then something happened. What happened in your heart? You started to do what? You started. I just started living. I, my life became an abundant life. Amen. And so by me receiving, 
I was able to give more. Amen. So you started giving. Talk about that, some of the things that have happened in your life over the last year or so that, since you've been tithing and giving back to the Lord. Talk about some of the things that God has done in your life. In my life personally? Yeah. Um, I've been blessed with transportation. Come on. Somebody gave you a car, I heard. Come on, That's amen. Right. <laughs> um, somebody gave you a car. Gave me a car. Come on. Let's give him another one. Ah. Um, I've been blessed with happiness. Amen. Peace. Peace. Awesome. Joy. Amen. More love. Amen. And so I can give more love. Amen. Bruce. It's a real honor to serve the Lord with you. Thank you for Thank sharing you, your story with us. Let's give Bruce God a great big hand this morning. Amen. Love you, buddy. I want to give a disclaimer right up front here. This message is not in response because the church needs your money. We've got all of our bills paid. We actually, uh, 2013 was the best year in the history of our church and our academy and on the school side. The first two months of this year have been the very best giving months, just everything, attendance, everything over the, over the history of our church. And so this message here today is for you because I want you to live a blessed life. I want you to live an abundant life. I want you to live the life that God has created you to live with all my heart. As your pastor and as your friend, I want you to experience everything that God has for you. And God has good in store for you. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to stand. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. Two passages of Scripture. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 28. In context here, this is the beginning of creation. God making the world. God speaking the world to an existence. And God creating man, creating us. We are not an accident. It's not by accident that you're here. It's not by random chance. No matter what the Darwinian, the evolutionist, no matter what our culture tells us, no matter what the textbook tells you today, you're not an accident. It didn't happen over billions and billions of years. It didn't work like that. God spoke everything into existence, but man, he created with his own hands. He to the ground and he breathed life into him. And verse 28, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, God blessed them. God bless them. God who? God bless male and female. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to hear this. God loves you. He loves you. He, he, God is love. The totality of who God is. If I can express it. You know, we got love all twisted up. We love chocolate. We love cars. We love all this. But it is this love that's pure. This love that brings peace, fulfillment, joy. This love that's beyond human description. Beyond any, beyond any intimate moment you could have with another human being. God loves you. He loves you. God bless them. And he said to them, be fruitful. I want to say, be fruitful. And increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea. Rule over the fish of the sea. And the birds in the sky. And every living creature that moves on the ground. God's beginning plan for man was to take dominion. We were the highest order of creation. Made in His very image. With the ability to have emotion, feeling. You know, i got a little dog dog is a bad dog. He's just bad, man. He's old, and now he can't hold it, and I'm just, I'm tired, you know. Every time I turn, there's something there I'm stepping on, and he's a bad dog. You know what? He never feels sorry about doing that. <laughs> Not a, he, he doesn't have the ability to feel sorry. 
Uh, you can yell at your little doggy, and he'd go, kind of scamper. You know, he knows he's in trouble, but he don't feel bad one bit. He will go right back and do it again. <laughs> You're the highest order in God's creation. He loves you. He's created you as image. You have the ability to think, reason, the ability to create, and the ability to subdue to work. Now, I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read one verse here. Now, I know guys in the sound booth, I messed you up here. We're not going to read all these verses here, but I want to read just one verse in relationship to Paul talking and challenging the church in this area of generosity, in this area of giving. And he's using another church that doesn't really have any money. He's using another church that then they're really going through difficult times, but they love to give. They live to give. They they believe that God is their source and they live open-handed. Look at verse number 8 here. The Bible says, But since you excel, everyone say excel, in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge. Oh, you're a great preacher. Man, you got great. You're studying the books hard. You're smart. And in complete earnestness or a strong desire to help other people. And in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. I got a heart check this week. Just had a heart check. I'm preparing this message. I text the mayor of Sanford. His name is Jeff Triplett. Nice guy. I like him. We've been friends for a couple of years. Text him. I said, hey, is there any nonprofits in Sanford that are really helping the poor and the needy? And it was dialogue we were having about some other things. And he texted me back. He said, well, other than feeding, from his perspective, I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying this is correct. But I'm just saying from a government official, guy who's, you know, never thought he would be in the news like he was last year with the Trayvon Martin case. But from his perspective, there were not nonprofits that were really helping the poor and needy take their next step. There were a lot of feeding ministry, he said, not a lot of people helping take the next step. So it really struck me. Wow, what are we here? What are we doing as a church congregation? What is our commitment to this community? And I asked myself this question, and I ask you this question. What could we do as a Christian community that would better enable our neighbors to see Jesus when they look at us? What would better enable our neighbors to see Jesus when they look at us? I had a dream. I have a dream. Every person, I believe this. I believe this as a pastor. I believe I have a responsibility. You can put the dream up there for me. But my, just I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear what I believe that God has called us to do. First of all, God says that pure religion undefiled before Him is that we help the widows, single moms, and the children, or single parents. We have a responsibility. We could do more. I've been convicted in my spirit and my heart. But our whole ministry here has been built around empowering children and reaching children. It's been our whole mission from the very beginning of our church. We can do more. To empower Christ's followers to make, save, and give as much as they can. To equip the next generation to become biblically successful. That's my dream. That is my dream here at City Church. So I have this big idea. This big idea that I want to communicate to you this morning. And I believe this morning. The latter, the financial peace is discovered in your life by making saving and giving all you can. Did you hear that today? I believe today. God, that's why I got the ladder out here because we're going to do a little journey up the ladder in just a moment. But God wants you to be blessed. He's a good Father who gives good gifts to His children. He loves to do good. He wants you to be blessed. In order to discover the blessings of God, you've got to make, save, and give 
Oh, you can. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I thank you for every person that's here. God, I speak blessing today over your people. You're the God who loves. You're the God who loves to do good. Your favor is upon those who love you. We've worshipped you today. Now, God, I pray that you'll touch our hearts. Prepare us, Lord, to take our next step in you. God, I pray that you'll help me in this service. God, help my voice to stay strong. I need you today. I can't do this without you. In your awesome and wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. When I was a boy, <laughs> when I was a boy, I just grew up in a different generation. Uh, I was eight years old, and I had to work. My parents had five kids. I had to work, even at eight years of age. I had to work if I wanted something. And I wanted to play baseball. I love baseball. And I had just a regular, you know, a regular mitt, but I wanted to play catcher. This is back in the early 70s. There was a guy that played for the Cincinnati Red. They were the team back then, the, the Dodgers and the Reds. And, the, you know, the Yankees have always been up there. The Red Sox were real big back then. But the, it was the big red machine. And they had a catcher. His name was Johnny Bench. And I don't know. I was just attracted to Johnny Bench. I, I liked the catching position. And so I wanted to play catcher, but I didn't have the right glove. So I had to go to work. And when I was a kid... And maybe they still have them, but when I was a little boy, there was a magazine that I got delivered to my home. It was called Boy's Life. Any of the old-timers remember a magazine called Boy's Life? All right. Well, how many of you remember? There was two magazines that I read every single month that got delivered to my home. One was called Boy's Life. The other one was called Mad Magazine. Anybody remember Mad Magazine? <laughs> I got two, man. I still got every Mad Magazine. I got the books. I'll bring them out. They're really brittle now, you know. I got a lot of wear. But Boy's Life in the back. He turned to the back of the Boy's Life. And they'd have ways for you to make money. You know, I was a little kid. I didn't, I mean, if I wanted to play catcher, I had to buy my own mitt. And I didn't have any money. And so I said, well, I, I could sell some. They had all these ways. They have all these testimonials in the back, you know, little kids making money. And, and so I said, well, that one thing I saw in there is that you could buy seeds, some kind of seed, you know, like fruit seed, you know, plant seeds. And, and you could also, they had all these other things. But they also, another thing that looked really attractive to me was buying greeting cards. You could buy these greeting cards. You'd take them around the neighborhood. You'd sell them for so much. You'd get a buck, whatever it was, 50 cents for every box. And so I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. So I got me some seeds, and I got me some greeting cards. <laughs> and I walked around my neighborhood, eight-year-old boy with a little checklist. I walked around my neighborhood, and I started selling seeds. I gave people two options. You got one or two options to buy from me. You can buy greeting cards, or you can buy packets of seeds. I don't even it was in Arizona. Nobody grew anything there. It was just desert, you know. But you <laughs> I raised enough money. I bought myself a glove for the next four years. I played catcher. I love it. I love playing catcher. I grew up in a different generation. I, it was just it was more that way. If we wanted something, we had to work for it. We live in a generation today. We live in a different generation where there's a different mindset, I think, at least from my perspective, about work and how this thing, success happens. I mean, today, a kid like Justin Bieber, kid like Justin Bieber, his mom could take his YouTube and post it on the Internet, and a guy named Usher watches it, and the next thing you know, he's worth $50 million a year plus. How does that happen? It's just, it's crazy. These, the, the way that things happen in our culture, the ability for some people, and it's a very small percentage of people, so these people all of a sudden become the standard of how things happen and how life really works. I want to tell you today as your friend, I want to tell you today, if you're going to climb this ladder of biblical success and blessing in your life, you have to work. Everyone say work. 
So I did this first service. I made them real, real. I won't stand on this yet, but I will stand up on this thing here. Got to make sure I got enough here. Okay. So you got to work. The Bible says that when you work, you work with all of your heart. So when we go to work, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, when you work, work enthusiastically. You've got to work enthusiastically. You've got to be happy about going to work. The mindset, I mean, I've been doing this thing a long time, man. I'm a young guy trapped in an older guy's body, but I've been around for a couple, you know, around the block a couple of times. And I've seen a lot of bad attitudes. People go to work. They think someone owes it to them. They come dragging their tail in. They just barely make it. They got an excuse this and late and couldn't show up. And my back hurt and this hurt and my toe hurt. My mama hurt. I mean, you know, there's just all these kinds of excuses. And I'm like, wow, how do you get ahead in life like that? Paul says, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord. You've got to work hard. And Ephesians chapter 6, he says, work enthusiastically. I tell people when you go to work, just dragging, come in whistling when you go to work. I mean, you, listen, you're discouraged and depressed, just try to whistle when you go to work. You're whistling, just whistle, come on up, or just practice with that. I've got to, try to whistle and be sad. You can't be sad when you're whistling. And if that doesn't work, push your happy button. <laughs> but make it, I mean, happiness is a choice. You choose your own happiness. You choose it. So we work because, see, we're not working for the man. You ain't working for the man. You ain't working for a paycheck. You're working as unto the Lord. Vincent Barty once said, the dictionary is the only place where success comes before work. Work is the key to success, and hard work can help you accomplish anything. You've got to work hard. Everyone say, work hard. This ain't magic. Listen, I, I, I want to. I have to talk about this because there's such an imbalance in the church. There's so many messages and about giving. It's like magic. This thing ain't magic. Success isn't magic. It's not magic. It's hard work. <laughs> most people, most people miss success in life because it's dressed up in overalls. It looks like hard work. <laughs> I want you to succeed. So you got to do your part. God always does His part, but we've got to do our part. So not only do we work hard, but we also work smart. Everyone say, work smart. You've got to work smart. You, I mean, I, I, I have certain limitations. You know, I know that there are certain things that my mental capacity limits me. I mean, as hard as I wanted to. If I wanted to be a doctor, there's just, oh, oh yeah, you could. No, man. When it came to math and biology, I mean, I passed, but... Ooh, it was hard. I spent, I mean, it was just hard. You know, getting tutoring and help. And I mean, I grinded through, but that sure was, that wasn't like the green light area of my life. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a basketball player. Oh, I loved, I loved basketball as a kid. And I, you know, I, I slept with that basketball in my bed and I shot thousands of shots. And, but the problem was I was white, Jewish, too short, and I couldn't jump. <laughs> Guys like Keith over here, 6'4", Bruce, they come with the bam, slam dunk. I mean, I get out there, I just get out, you know, I still around here, it's a long shot, you know. But you can play ball, you got to take it to the middle, you got to bang and hit. And I'm way too skinny and I'm way too short and I couldn't do it. So there were limitations in my world. I could work as hard, but I could only do the best that I could do. You got to work smart. 
You, get, you just got to work smart. I mean, it's just, God's giving you wisdom. Get all your understanding. Get wisdom. God wants you. God will help you. There is so much knowledge today. There is so much knowledge in any field. You can Google instantly. But listen, don't believe everything you read. <laughs> right? Don't read everything you believe. Come on. Yeah, check your sources. Even the guys out of the experts, they get it wrong. Don't believe everything you read. But there's so much information to improve yourself. Go to school. Get knowledge. It is up to you. There, you have to do your part in this thing. You have to work hard. You have to work smart. But you also have to work as a witness. I'm going to say work as a witness. So when you go to work, you're working actually for the Lord. And when you work for the Lord, your whole mindset changes. Your whole perspective changes. Because your life is a witness. People see you. People watch you. The moment you tell people you're a Christian, man, it just changes. Now, some of you never talk about being a Christian, so nobody, you know, but the people know. What do you do on Sunday? You know, they're all running around the clubs and doing everything and out at the beach. It looks like most of them are at the beach today, but, but you know, you know, there are all kinds of places. And uh, well, we're at church. Oh, you're a churchman, huh? Okay. Immediately that happens, man. People start to have certain expectations. Life becomes a witness. We reflect God's glory. Reformers, they believed this about work. They, re, they believed that work was a direct reflection of our bringing glory to God. It was an act of worship. It was an act of worship. You're a tradesman. You're the best tradesman. You're a businessman. You're the best businessman. That you can, whatever you're doing, you do it as unto the Lord. One of the best professors that I ever had in school. I took Greek. Man, that was painful. That hurt. That one hurt, when, that one hurt bad. But he was the, an amazing. He was a master professor because he made us learn. He made us learn. Uh, we'd have to come to class prepared every day. And I remember I would dread. I would go to his class. My knees would be shaking because I knew he could call my name. And if he called your name, he made you go up. We had a big chalkboard. And he made us, de- they called it, they called it, you know, in studying, like called declensions. And they have different endings. And it means, you know, it's how words work and all the language. And, and he'd make you go up to the board and he'd make you write out the declensions for the different words. And I like pray. I'd be fasting and praying. God, don't let him call me. Today. Don't let him call me. Today. It made me learn. It made me work. Work smart. See, our lives are a witness. At the end of the day, you go home and you do your best for God. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night and you can go right to sleep. Say, God, I did my best for you today. That's all it is. It's just simple. It's simple. I'm not working for it, a man. I'm working for the Lord. When you start working with the Lord, all bets are off. Amazing what God can do for your life. Blessing doesn't come from the east or from the west. For a believer, blessing comes from the Lord. God blesses. God can take you farther than you could ever dream. God can open up doors that you could never imagine. God can, I mean, I've seen it happen. And so I've seen it happen in so many lives that we'll begin to understand. The second thing that has to happen, you go to work, you got to save. Everyone save. All right, you got to save. <laughs> the wise man saves for the future. It's not going to fall. I already tried it out. I walked up and down the side. I know it's the wrong side of the ladder, but it's okay. <laughs> Just trust me. <laughs> the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. There are three kinds of people. There's the, there is the squander. Everyone say squander. You know what squanders do? They spend every single penny they get. And they spend, you know, 
they just do. They, I mean, they just never got this one figured out. They just you know, they never pin and they never got enough. It's always, you know, always broke, always got to beg, always got to borrow, got to steal, got whatever, got to cheat a little bit here, cheat a little bit there. There's a squanders. Now, I understand, man, hard times happen. Difficult things happen. We fall, we call it bad luck, but you know, there's difficult seasons in people's lives. But if you're a squander and you don't take the personal initiative to save something, and when t- tough times come, because tough times come, you know that? I mean, the first five years of this church, man, I mean, the first five years, and even beyond that, there are times, there's no promise, I get a paycheck. There were many, many, many times I'd have to pay all, we have 23 employees, I'd have to pay all the employees, and my wife and I would hold paychecks for weeks and weeks and weeks to make sure that everybody else got paid. They're they're tough times. If I didn't have savings, if I didn't have savings, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do those things that are necessary. And we... (laughs) We put out our financials like, I mean, our, you know, it's, it's God's grace on our life. It's kind of, the foolish man spends everything he gets. But then there's a second guy. I call him the hoarder. Everyone say hoarder. Now, there are hoarders. There are hoarders that have a lot of money, and they just, you know, they're really tight, and they can't let loose. But, I mean, my family, my family was really poor. My grandmother, my dad's mom was a hoarder. And I remember this. I remember... You couldn't even walk through her house. She had so much junk. And I mean, at least to me, but to her, it was her prized possessions. And she'd go back and forth from Arizona to California based on what state gave the better, the better benefits for her in her life at that time. It's just wrong thinking. It's poor thinking. My dad used to always say poor people have poor ways. Usually poverty, long-term poverty is a result of thinking wrong about money and about success. Just going to say it. And, and so... She, she wouldn't just save, she would hoard. So a sale came on and canned green beans. She'd be like four cases of canned green beans because rapture might happen. Have to go through the tribulation. And I remember we walked through her house. Couldn't, there was not even a place to sit down because the couch was full of junk in every bedroom. And there was, they barely had enough room to go and sleep at night. And maybe if someone came over, you kind of push something out of the way to find a little place to lay down. Because, you know, they got these hoarder shows. These things crazy people. What? Bible. You know what Jesus said about the squander? You know what Jesus said about the squander and about the hoarder? He called them fools. Because they think this life is all there is. The rich guy that hoards and doesn't share and isn't generous, Jesus said, he said, I'm going to just go work. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Let's have a good time. And then, and then Jesus said that night his life was taken from him. And he had to give an account. What did he do with the resources that God had given to him? Then there's a third person. There's the saver. Saver, they're wise. They understand stewardship. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? The reason you save, the reason you save, is because your tire in your car is going to go flat. <laughs> the reason you save is because the motor or the transmission in your automobile is going to drop to the ground. <laughs> the reason you save. Saving just simply whatever amount I make, I have to spend less than I bring in. Okay? That's how it works. You make eight bucks an hour, you have to spend less than eight dollars an hour worth of your labor. That's how it works. And you've got to start small. The people that work their whole life. 75% of Americans work their whole life and never save. 
listen, money came, and if you actually went back and you started calculating it up and you got all your W-2s and you look at your little Social Security thing and you're counting on Social Insecurity to be like your little nest egg, ooh, dangerous. You start calculating up, well, you had a lot of money flow through, but there was always something more month than money. There were choices. Not easy. I'm not saying this is easy. And especially the older you get, the harder it is. The older your kids get, the more needs. All these kinds of things. There's reality today that we are called to be stewards. Saving is not about how much you make. Saving money, Dave Ramsey says, will happen in our lives when it becomes an emotional priority. It's got to be an emotional choice, I'm going to say. So I work hard. I save. Because there's a future coming that God wants you to do good. There's a future coming that God wants you to do good. Because if you have excess, you can give. You can give. And this is, the last, this is my last thing I want to talk about. This area of giving. This whole thing about how do we climb up this ladder. See, the early church, they were called radical. The early church was radical. They revolutionized. I mean, the Roman world wasn't necessarily friendly to Christians. You study church history, you'll see by 60, 70 A.D. I mean, they didn't like Christians. They were just another pain in the neck to them. They were, you know, let's get them out of the way. There were actually some early drawings. I've seen these drawings of, of, of Jesus on the cross. And, and they have this guy on the cross, and his head is a donkey's head. That's what they thought of Christians. They were asses. They were dumb asses. That's what the early Romans thought about Christianity. Dumb. How could you follow this pagan sky god? He didn't rise from They didn't believe it. But something happened in the church. You see, what the early church did is they didn't share their bed with other people, but they shared their bread with other people. The mark of Christianity in the early church was two things. There was great power and there was great generosity. Hear me today. There was great power. The gospel was preached. People were healed. Lives were changed. They gave witness to the resurrection. And then when people came into their community, they opened up their hands and they gave generously. They didn't give just a little bit. This is not a sermon on the mount. This is the sermon about giving all. Giving all. And they gave it all. They gave it all. Jesus lived with a bunch of guys that were penny pinchers. And they gave, but boy, even their giving was measured. Down to the penny. Oh, it's just way beyond that. See, if you're going to live a biblically successful life, you've got to work, you've got to save, and you've got to give. Can you put the give verse up there for me? Please help me out. See that you also excel in this grace giving. It's grace. See what happens. I never gave a dime. When I didn't serve the Lord, it wasn't the last thought I had was about giving to the local church or giving to a missionary or giving to somebody. I mean, I'd maybe give somebody. I loaned somebody money, man, but I wanted to make sure I got my money back. You know what I mean? I mean, doggone, I'm going to chase you down, hunt you down. You know, I'm going to pop your tire if you don't give me my money back. I'm going to make you pay. I mean, that's how I thought. He taken from me. Something happens to a person when they experience the grace of Jesus. So your example today is God who gave His only Son. 2,000 times in the Bible, the Bible talks about giving. It's the hallmark of Christianity. It's what we do. We live to be a blessing. We never truly start living until you start giving.
It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. You can't succeed in life. I find it very, very cool today that these guys like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett who have amassed billions. I, the kind of numbers they throw around today just boggles the mind. But I was reading Warren Buffett. I like Warren Buffett. Not everything he says, but there's some things that he says, obviously. He's got a lot of wisdom on money. And he talked about living to give. It's like this whole thing now is about strategic giving. Giving it all away. Giving it all away. Because you know what he found? He found that there's great joy in giving. There's great joy in giving. So we come into a local church like this. This is one of those messages. Is ooh, wow, tough. <sighs> giving. Living to give. So our culture is bound up. What time is it? What's that? Okay, I got ten minutes. Good. <laughs> you get ten more minutes of this. That's all you got to do. You can endure anything for 10 more minutes, right? Just hang on. My little clock back here went kaputz. It says L00. So, uh, giving frees you today. Giving frees you from a culture of materialism. Culture of getting, getting, getting. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Jesus said there's two gods in this world. Two gods in this world. That's what Jesus said. Jesus says there's the God of money. Called it mammon. Just meant money. And guess what? There's the God of the universe. There's the Father God. There's two gods. He said you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. You can only serve one. How do you know? How do you know who is your God today? How do you know? Do you cheat on your taxes? If you cheat on your taxes, you know what it tells me? It tells me to not only break the law, but you've made God your money. Cash register gives you a $10 bill back accidentally with a change. It was $10 more. And you don't tell her. You just slip that into your wallet. ABC News Dateline, one of those NBC Dateline magazine Friday night. Watched for a few minutes. And they went to the dry cleaners. They took 10 pair of pants to 10 dry cleaners in New York City. They stuck a $10 bill in. And do you know how many of those $10 bills they got back out of 10 pair of pants? One. You know what that tells me? People love money more than they love God. That's what it tells me. Play the, I'm not, wait a second. Oh, you can, I'm going to start the metal here. I don't want to, you know. I'm just saying at that moment when that temptation came, they love money more than they love God. Can't Christians do things like that? Absolutely. At that moment, they love money more than they love God. I could just start going online, playing the lotto. I mean, like to save it. Just give it to God. Why would you even do that? The thought that you're going to get rich, you're going to get lucky. You're not lucky today. You're blessed. God is your source. God is your helper. So let's talk about the local church. This is what happens. We come to church, and um, a lot of people come, get the benefits. We got we have the best. It is, I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, we have the most incredible children's ministry of all Seminole County. Come on, give God a big hand. I mean, our children, it's just second to none. It's just amazing. We have, I'm telling you, I'm not going to, I'm going to puff you up. I'm going to puff Pastor Glenn right now. But we have the finest youth pastor in all of America right here at City Church. Our, kid, our young people come here. They are blessed beyond belief. About 15, 20% of people. Well, somebody else. Rich guy over there in the corner, he's going to pay it. You know, somebody else. 
And there's, there's some people that come to our church that just do not say, you know, your heart hasn't been changed yet. You don't quite get it. And now, I'm not concerned about the person that just comes here. If you're here for the first time, second time, listen, you know, it's not about you today. But you started you're around here for a while, and nothing's happening. What's, we could do a heart check today. What's going on? And then uh, what I'd love to do is, what I'd love to see is people take a first step. I just, whatever that step is, I'd love to people take, see, t- see them take, it's like when, you know, my boys were really little. I remember, I, I remember Austin better than Keenan because he's my firstborn, but I remember, you know, maybe like 11 months, something like that. We were in the living room and he took that first step. You know, I was in one place and got him to stand up. You know, they're doing like this, right? This is kind of what giving's like. Can I really do this? How does this work? You know, how do I do that? And then, I mean, when your child takes that first, like, three steps, they actually, like, one, two, three, like, they're actually walking. It's like a party in your house. Yeah! They're the best that they walk faster than any baby on planet Earth. I can't believe it. So we celebrate first-time givers. We just, we love it when people take a step towards God. We absolutely love it. We actually write little notes to people that give to our church for the very first time because we celebrate that. And then, you know, let's say, you know, this, this people, this group here, the non-givers and the first-time givers, that's about 15, 20%. And then we have, uh-oh, we have this huge, I'll move this one up here a little bit. We have what I call the occasional giver. And there's, this is where most people in our church fall into. Most people fall into this occasional giving category. That thing ain't going to stick on for nothing. Better give me another reason. And we have the occasional giver. And, you know, it's good. And, and we're grateful. And makes up about 60% of the people in our church. Makes up about 20% of the income of the local church. Occasional givers, what happens, I had someone tell me last week, they, they said when they got their tax return, they realized that they really weren't tithing. They felt convicted of the Lord. I didn't say anything to them. But when they really looked to see how much they had made that year and how much they gave, they realized it was so far short. In the early church, hear me today, in the early church, you can't find in the book of Acts where it was like about a tithe. It wasn't about that. It was about giving their all, giving the life. And the early believers, the early Christians, they were all Jewish. And the tithe was just a basic. It was a minimum. It was like the starting point. And then they had offerings for the widows and the poor, the hurting and the needy. And I celebrate people that give occasionally. Then I have what I call the intentional giver. Everyone say intentional giver. And the intentional giver is a person, man, they're committed to the cause. Their lives have been changed. I watch Bruce. I watch Bruce. He gave his testimony. I mean, he's not, he's not used to coming up here and sharing and talking, but I, I've seen an incredible change in Bruce's life. I've just watched it. Part of it is as he began to realize that God was his source. And he opened up his hand and began to live generously. He started to tithe. See, what happens when you tithe is you're saying, God, you're my source today. You kill. You start to kill the spirit of greed. The spirit of fear. There's a spirit of fear that says you're never going to have enough. You're not going to make it. Maybe you've lived that way for a long time. But we're not people of fear today. We're people of faith. And the Bible says the just live by faith. And as we start to open our hands... We start to make a difference. So this intentional giver, there's power in that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, set aside an amount you've already predetermined in your heart. People have determined that they're going to be intentional and they're giving and their generosity. 
Then there's something really cool that happens. A missionary comes by, starts to share the need about Dominica, about Africa, took a team to Cuba. All of a sudden, wow, you know what? God's blessed me. I have a little bit more. I want to give. This is going somewhere. We step into the realm of extravagant giving. And when we start to give extravagantly, God opens up the windows of heaven. A widow, a little woman comes to the temple and there's all these people and they're giving their big gifts and they're doing, you know, they're doing their thing and they're getting their fanfare. And this one little woman, see, it's never about the amount. It's always about the heart. And this one little woman, she comes and she's so grateful for the grace of God. She takes a couple little coins worth a week's wages or a couple weeks' wages. It's all she has. It's all she has. She puts it in the bucket. And Jesus stops the whole party. Says, ho, ho! Here's an extravagant giver. Here is a woman. She might not be rich in the world, but she is rich towards God. And let me tell you today, when you are rich towards God, you can never outgive a good God. When you give, He says, I will give back. And you give some more, and I will give back some more. And you give some more, and I will give back some more. And you give some more, and I will give back some more. Because there's good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and overflowing. Come on, someone give the Lord a hand clap. And then we start to really live. We start to really live. We love to give. I had a heart check this week. I just had a heart check, man. I was planning out my retirement, my future. And I just, like, felt checked. Like, okay, if my income goes up, I mean, we've done this. We're committed, man. We're, you know, we, I don't want to, I hate to even talk. Sometimes a pastor hate to talk about it because it's just not about me. I haven't always been a Christian. The moment I got saved, man, this thing just wasn't a problem. I just I was so grateful. I mean, I used to spend more on drugs and alcohol than I ever would give to God. So for me, it was just like, how could I not? Look what he saved me from. Look what he saved me from. Now, some people, you know, you've never done that. Man, you're smart. You're way smarter than I was. And you went to school to stay out of that mess. And so you're calculating how's it all going to work. The life that I live, I live by faith and hope in the Son of God. He's my source today. He's your source today. This thing called extravagant giving opens up the windows of heaven. Malachi 3 says, Test me now of this and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. God loves you. He blessed them. Got to go up this ladder here. You got to work. You gotta, I don't care, man. You haven't started to save yet. Do something. 10 to 20. You've got to start. You've got to spend less than you make, no matter how much it is, no matter how hard you think it is. You can do it. God's for you. To make it happen. Clip coupons, triple coupons. I went to Walmart the other day. The lady had quadruple coupons. I couldn't even get out of the line because she had so many coupons. I got stuck in the line because she had a coupon for this. And then she would run it down to Publix where she got quadruple coupons. And she said, Publix is going to pay me back today for shopping at this store. She got it. You don't start living. It's not one. It's not just going to work. Oh, I, I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> we work as unto the Lord. 
I'm telling you, man, you start working for God, your whole perspective about life changes. Your whole perspective. Getting to work on time ain't a problem. When you're working for the man, it's always a problem. When you start working for the Lord, it's never a problem. Just save. Save within your ability. Do what you can. Start working towards that. Then we live to give. What is God saying to you today? What's your next step? I want you to close your eyes. All right, so you're here today, and you're not there yet. You're just not there yet. I want to challenge you. I want to give you a challenge. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take my word for it. If you're a brand new believer, maybe you've been around this thing for a while, and you've seen things done weird in the church that's not here. We do our very best to be good stewards of the resources God's given us. But let me tell you today, God's speaking to your hearts. You're here today, maybe you don't know Christ. So this message just kind of, you can see it. I mean, you know, even the world talks about it. You know, the Buffets and the Gates, and, you know, they're talking about it. They get it. They, they, they get it. They get this power of generosity, the joy that's in it. Yeah, so well, it's easy for them. Listen, one that Jesus commended was that little widow. And she just gave, a, she gave what she had. She gave her life. It wasn't the amount. It was her willing to sacrifice and give to the Lord. To obey Him. To obey is better than sacrifice. Where are you at in this ladder today? Where are you at in this ladder of generosity? Maybe you're just, you know, occasional... Everyone here just took the next step. Everyone here just took the next step. And you've never given. Just give first time. You give them once or twice, and then become an occasional giver. An occasional giver, step up into the realm of testing God. See if He'll bless you and open the windows of heaven and become a tither. As a tither, I just, I mean, I've just seen when tithers start to give, and that extravagant giving just becomes a part of the life. In the early church, man, it was, you know, those who had more gave just the way it worked. They radically changed their culture. They radically changed their community. They were able to be a blessing. Within 300 years, Christianity became religion of the world. The most predominant religion of the world. Why? Because these guys in the beginning, they gave it all. They were willing. They were willing to do their part to live open here. Our ushers are going to come this morning. We're going to do this completely different. Our ushers are going to come. And uh, they're going to set the buckets just right up here on the stage. Now, ushers, I want you to set the buckets on the stage, and I want you to go stand in the corner. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to bring something. Bring your connect card. Bring something. Bring a quarter. Borrow a dollar from the guy next to you. I don't care. I want everybody here to do something. I want you just to take this next step. I want you to take this next step this morning. I'm going to pray this morning. I want you to come, and I want you to bring your offering to the Lord. Go back to your seat. Keith got some instruction. He's going to close up the service this morning. Father, I bless your people today. I'm asking every person here, Lord, pray, I thank you that you are speaking to their heart and you are challenging them to take your next step in you. God, bless the gift and the giver, small or large. Bless them today. Let your grace be upon them. In Jesus, your wonderful name. Amen. God bless you.